someone around you say, wow, you're looking good today. Looking good today. Looking good. Looking good. So again today, we are so excited to be able to speak into your life. Notice I didn't just say your marriage, because not everyone is married. And we just really believe that what we are teaching and have been teaching and will always teach from this pulpit is not just for one aspect of life. So what we're going to teach today is bigger than just your marriage. It's God's word that will work in every area of your life, every part of your life. And here's the key. Here's the statement to really sum up last week. If you missed all of last week, it's summed up in this one statement. Are you ready? Good relationships are God first relationships. Do I hear an amen? Good relationships are God first. Seek God first, not a spouse. And because of us seeking other people other than God, we have put such a pressure on people around us to produce only what God can do. And as a result of that pressure, when people cannot come through because it's not humanly possible, what happens? We're disappointed. We're frustrated. It's not not good. So is it possible, here's the thought that we've been looking at too, is it possible to have a great marriage? Yes, but probably not likely to happen if you do not change your behavior and work for that. And that's what we're talking about. Our title of our messages over this month has been self-we, not the I, but the we, taking out the I of self-e and putting back the we, self-we, we and God will make it through. And that's why today, realizing it is Valentine's Day, I asked myself and really prayed and said, God, it's an important message. It's an important day for many people. What is the best wisdom? What is the best information, the best advice I can give to everyone today is here it is. Are you ready? I really believe and really felt this is the best that I could give to you today. And that is this. Fight for each other and not against each other. To learn to fight for each other and not against each other. And that's why we've entitled this message, The Winning Team. The Winning Team. Being a winning Team, I was just listening this week as mum and dad were doing their devotion at nine o'clock. I believe it was on a Wednesday, was Wednesday night. And mum and dad were talking about love, true love that endures. True love that endures. And what they said was there's going to be some tough stuff you're going to have to make it through. There's going to be some conflict and opposition. 
But if you maintain the course, if you are faithful, if you look to build each other up, if you look to work together, they said these words, there's nothing that with the help of God the three of you cannot accomplish and achieve. True love that endures. 46 years of marriage, I think, has the right to talk about something like that. Amen? And they realize that. So it's not a question of if, but when conflict and strife and adversity is going to arise. So you must know the answer to it ahead of time. If you are unmarried, learn the answers today. If you are married, learn the answers today. Because if you don't, we are going to suffer the failures of it. I was listening to a marriage message this week. I love to fill myself with messages. I live and listen to other pastors and preachers. And I was listening to a great message by Pastor Chris Hodges from the Church of the Highlands. And he was talking a message on marriage. And he used this scripture. And I thought, wow, what a great scripture. And I just want to bring this scripture to you this morning from the Message Bible. It's Lamentations 3. And 19. And the Lamentations, the thought of it, this is Jeremiah wrote this. He's the prophet. He's lamenting. That's the thought. It's not necessarily a good thing. He's lamenting over that. But look what he writes in Lamentations 3.19. He says, I will never forget the trouble and the utter lostness, the taste of ashes and the poison that I have swallowed. The New King James Version says, I remember my afflictions and I remember my roamings. I wonder what afflictions we've caused upon other people. I wonder what we've caused upon ourselves. I wonder the roamings and the ways our minds and our bodies and the places we've gone and the things that we've done that we should not have done. And he goes on to say these words, I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember hitting the bottom. We don't have to be reminded, do we, really, of our lack and shortcomings and failures. And read on, it says, but there is one other thing that I remember, and I keep a grip on hope. New Living Translation says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. What is he remembering? His failures, his lack, his inability to be everything that he knows that he needs to be in a relationship, in life, period. Verse 22, But God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up because they were created new every morning. There's a new day. There's a new beginning. He says, oh, how great is your faithfulness. He says, I am sticking with God and I'm going to say it over and over again. He's all I have got left. And I love that. And the thought is, when he says he's all I've got left, he's not saying that I've tried everything else and God's just the last resort, that's it, and if there's nothing else. What he's saying is this. He says, but I'm now looking to you because I know that you are the true source of love for my life. You are the one that I need. Jesus is the one that you and I need. It's a we thing. Come on, say that with me. We thing. It's a we thing. Verse 24 from the New King James Version says this, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. I just wanted to start with that today to give you hope because it doesn't matter the things that you've done wrong. It doesn't matter where you've lacked in your life. The Bible says today that there's still hope. There's fresh hope. There's a fresh opportunity. There's new beginning 
for you and I in your life, in your marriage, in your home. So no matter what, if, when, or how, when you make it a we thing, you're going to be part of a winning team. I want to be a part of a winning team. No one wants to even support a losing team. It's tough. LSU loses one game. That's it. Most people get so upset. It's over. I want to support and I want to be part of a winning team. And I'm telling you, when you've got hope in God, you're going to be part of a winning team. Ruth Bell Graham, who is married still to the Reverend Billy Graham, I believe he is now 96, 97, somewhere up there. They've been married for, I think, over 70 years now. And someone sat down with her one day and said, would you tell me, what is the secret for being married for that length of time? And she said these words, and I thought, how true. A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. 70 plus years of marriage, what would you tell us? Understand the importance of forgiveness. Understand the importance of you're not fighting against each other. You need to be fighting shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, with each other. And that's what I want to talk about today is how can we fight fair? How can we fight fair? Because again, it's not a question of if we're going to have conflict, if we're going to have struggles, if we're going to have differences. But when those struggles, those differences, those conflicts arise, what will we do? And most of the time, they're silly, petty, foolish things. Let's just be honest. They're silly things. And here's how we know they're silly. Because when we tell people about them, most of the time people laugh. Have you ever noticed that people laugh at the things that you cry about? Because it is petty and it is silly, but you take it to heart. So why does conflict happen? We love each other, Pastor Philip. Isn't that it? That's just the glue. As long as we love each other, we'll be happy ever after. Why does conflict happen? Because you are two different people. Very different people. You are two imperfect people. Two people who fall short many times and our sinfulness leads us to do selfish things. It's inevitable, it's unavoidable that couples will fight. You're kind of saying, well, this is negative. No, I'm just telling you where you're at. Because if you're not there right now, you will be by the time you get home today probably. And if not, then by the time you go to bed tonight. But are we fighting healthy? Are we fighting fair? Or are we fighting unhealthy, unfair? Is it dirty? Is it below the belt? Is it accusational? Is it bitter grudges that you are holding? Why? Because healthy fights for resolution. Listen to me. Healthy fights for resolution. Unhealthy fights for personal victory. If you're taking notes today, you need to take notes in the house. I'm telling you right now, you need to take... If I wasn't preaching this message, I would be taking notes of whoever was preaching. Because I believe it's so important. You need to write down, if we're going to fight healthy, we're fighting for resolution and restoration. If we're fighting unhealthy, we're fighting for a personal victory. And I want to show you something, if I may, on that today on my board. Simple math. One plus one... Equals three. Remember why? Because God is always in the center of everything. 
So remember, it's the three of us, not just the two of us. So one plus one with God equals three, okay? So we're going to say that the goal of our lives is, I want my spouse to win. I hope Kelly wants me to win, and I know she does. So if we win, then we equal a... And I've just done a play of words right there, just for the sake of the message, okay? So if we win, we are a weaning team. Because it's not just me and Kelly, it's me, Kelly, and God. So when we win, we win. And you may say, well, that's pretty simple. But how many times is it, well, I want to prove my point and I want to win. So if I win, what usually happens to Kelly? She loses. And we think, well, that's okay as long as I win. I want you to see something right now. If one wins, no one wins. When only one wins, no one wins. It's not good. And you can puff your shoulders back and say, hey, I showed her. Yeah, you sure did show her that the couch is going to feel good for the next three nights. Who's winning that argument? Who's winning that? But how many times do we allow our stupidity, our pride to rise and say, oh, but I'm right. And sometimes, maybe even if you are right, you've got to start realizing this. We've got to fight together to accomplish great things, not fighting each other. And I may not always get the win, but as long as Kelly wins, guess what? I do win. Because we win together, together we win. So I want to spell that out. When one loses, there's a total loss. Because when one wins, there's still a total loss. In James chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20, in my Bible, the title of it, it says this, Qualities Needed in Trials. Qualities needed in trials. And listen to what it says, James 1, 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let each man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not, say with me, not, not, not produce the righteousness of God. So in other words, wrath, anger, opposition, It's not producing godly living in our lives. We're not going to win. We're not going to be part of a winning team. So what did we just read there? We read three key points in verse 19 that we need to see, that we need to have in our lives. Unmarried, married. We need to have these things in our lives. Point number one, are you ready? Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Now, being quick to listen doesn't mean to hurry up and listen so you can talk. That's not what it's talking about. And it's not always easy, is it, to be quick to listen when things are escalating and things are heating up in the moment when you want to win, when your pride rises. It's not always easy to listen. You may hear some things, but you're not really listening to what you're saying. And most of the time, you are hearing what you want to hear out of the situation instead of what they're really saying. And the problem is, for this reason, your mind can think, I think, three or four times faster than the mouth can speak. So if someone's speaking at 100 words a minute to you, your mind is speaking back to you at 400 words per minute. 
So it's so easy if you don't watch to hear yourself over the person who is talking. So what do we need to do? We've got to take the initiative. What are we talking about? You've got to be the mature one. There's a crazy cycle that you can go on to. And how do you break the crazy cycle? There has to be a mature one that stands up and says, let's stop this. Now, please don't say these words. I'll be the most mature one in this situation. And we're going to stop. That's not going to work. You just be the mature one without advertising the fact that you're doing it. Take initiative in, start having a laser focus and start asking yourself, what is really being said here? Not what I think, but what is really being, hear the feelings, hear the emotions, see through the tones, see through the actions, see through the noise levels. We've talked about this before and it's so good. Ladies, you wonder why your man kind of closes down when you get mad. Well, can I help you? Go into the bathroom, stand in front of the mirror and reenact how you look to him. You're doing this kind of stuff and you're shaking everything and you're pointing and every. Listen, if a man comes up in a man's face and starts pointing and shaking something, come on, it's, it's on. It's an attacking approach. Well, I'm just trying to talk to him. Understand that. But when he's not listening, maybe you need to understand that you've got to watch because you tend to speak with every part of you. Instead of just your mouth. But we've got to be quick to listen. What has been said? What is going on? And here's a help for us in this. Stop what we're doing. Don't try to listen over the TV. Don't try to listen over the cell phone to your ear. Don't try to listen with the noise and the confusion. Set aside. Focus in and pay careful attention to I read something again this week. It was people were posting their favorite dates. And some people were putting such elaborate things. Wow, this is my favorite date. If my husband did this or my husband did do this. And someone posted something. I thought, wow, how sad but yet so true. My favorite date would be that he would just leave his cell phone at home. And he would just listen to what I'm saying. It can be really simple. It's not hard. But the Bible says we need to be quick to listen. Number two, we need to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Listening, again, is not just figuring out what to say when you get the opportunity to interject. And I think many times we've got relational dyslexia. What do I mean by that? We want to be slow to listen and quick to speak. Hello? We want to be slow to listen and quick to to speak, where the Bible says, no, be what? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Notice the difference. I came across a saying while I was studying for this message, and to be honest with you, I don't believe I've ever heard this saying before, and I hope you have. It says this, when you're working your mouth, your ears stop working. Anyone ever heard that saying before? When you are working Your mouth. Anyone ever heard that? Maybe that's the problem. We haven't heard that. Elizabeth's heard that. Good. When you are working your mouth, your ears stop working. But it's okay. If you haven't heard that, then it's okay because it's scriptural. It's biblical. There's a Bible verse that goes along with that. Proverbs 18 verse 2 says this. A fool has no delight in understanding, 
but in expressing his own heart. The last part in the New Living Translation where it says, but in expressing his own heart, the New Living Translation says they only want to air their own opinion. In other words, let me break that down in our language that we maybe understand. A fool says, I don't really care what you are saying, but let me tell you what I'm thinking. We've got to be so careful here because when we have that approach, the gloves are going to come off. What do we mean by the gloves are going to come off? You're not going to fight fair. You're going to fight dirty because you're now fighting for your identity. You're now fighting for your win. You're now fighting for your way. And as a result, you're both going to lose in the process and it's going to spiral out of control. Listen to me. If we don't stop to listen, how can we understand their position? Pete and Molly said something really cool in their devotion when they were talking, I believe it was Monday night. They said these words. They said, understanding isn't always agreeing. Think about that. We think if we understand what they're saying, then we have to agree with that. But it's two different things. But yet we still got to understand before we can make that. So many times when we can say, well, I just don't understand you, or we don't want to because we think we're agreeing with them, you've got to be so careful in those situations. Proverbs 21, 23, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Pretty cool right there. Shut up. Shut up. Don't turn to your neighbor and say, shut up. Can I help you with something too? Don't, pro- don't quote Proverbs 21, 23 in the middle of a fight. When you're fighting and it's getting heated up and you're suddenly realizing I need to be the most mature one, it doesn't start by saying, Thus saith the Lord, Proverbs 21, verse 23, Shutteth thy mouth. The next word you would hear from God is duck because it's flying, brother. But let's slow down. Let's think before we speak. And I know that may seem so obvious, but it can be the hardest thing to do. Yet it carries extraordinary payoffs. Here's two great questions to ask yourself when you want to say something. You're in the heat of the moment when you're struggling to be slow to speak. Here's two great questions. Are you ready? Question number one. Should what I'm thinking be said? Ask yourself that. You can't always control the thoughts that come into your mind. But you sure can control the thoughts that leave your lips. And that come out of your mouth. So ask yourself this, what I'm thinking, should I say this? I've realized this, a lot of things in my mind sound a lot better to keep in my mind than when I put them out in the open. I'm like, man, did I just really say that? So ask yourself, should what I'm thinking be said? And here's another great question, should what I'm thinking be said right now? It's maybe a good thing that you think, but this is not the right time and the right opportunity to do that. I think if we could ask ourselves those questions, if we could be quicker to listen what's been said and be slower to speak, because after all, the ratio is two to one. 
We've got two ears and one mouth. We've also got two eyes and one mouth. What should that mean? We need to be doing more observing and more listening instead of always releasing with our mouth and saying things. What is the saying that they say out there? Sticks and stones, they break your bones. But words will never... What a big lie that is. It's a massive lie. Because there's something about sticks and stones and broken bones. You can get a cast. You can get surgery. You can get that set. It will heal and it will perhaps even be stronger than it ever will be before. But words that are spoken out can never be taken back. And those words can cause inflicting heart and harm to people greater than you could ever imagine in your life. The Bible says if you haven't got anything good to say... Let your words be seasoned with grace. It doesn't say let your words be seasoned with slap your mama Tony's hot sauce and I'm going to give it to him. Let your words already be seasoned with grace. The Bible also tells us as much as possible with you, live at peace with everyone else. What does peace mean? Shut your mouth. You may be thinking it. But thinking it is not as good as saying it. Think about that. Just keep it. And you may say, well, if I'm thinking it, I might as well say it. No, 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 no. Keep it in your mind. Give those thoughts to God. And don't voice those things into words that you can never bring back. Look at this statement. No one made you say that. You chose to say that. Well, you made, no, 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 no one made you. They may be presented an opportunity, but the opportunity is for you to take. And if we don't watch, if we're so quick to fly off and slow to listen and quick to talk, what tends to happen is the real issue doesn't become the issue anymore. Because we go to other places that we had no business going to or places that we should have resolved already before. So we've got to be very careful. Keep the issue the issue. Number three, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Watch your response. Watch how you react to what is happening. Don't be easily offended. Remember, offense is never given. It's only ever received. Well, they offended me. No, you chose to be offended and live offended by what they say. This is something that I try to live by. And you've heard me say this so many times. At the beginning of every year, I remind myself, and even throughout the year, that this year, 2016, I'm going to live unoffended. What a great way it is to live that I will not be offended. I've had so many people come to me and say, man, I'm sorry about that text. I hope I didn't offend you. Listen, I've got such thick skin. I choose not to get offended by things. Why? Because offense is going to destroy my life. It's going to be like an anger. It's going to be like a wedge. It's going to be a bitterness that's going to dig deep into my life. I've got to learn. You and I have got to learn to control our emotions. Know your soft spots. Know the areas 
that maybe hurt you the most. We know that ladies tend to want love. Men need the respect. So when a lady feels unloved, she acts in an unrespectful way. When a man doesn't feel respected, he acts in an unloving way. Know the soft spots of your life. Be slow to anger. I've told you this story before, but I wrote it down again. It's a good one. We were going out to eat one night, and we were in Cracker Barrel. And can someone say glory, hallelujah? That's God's food right there. And we were eating Cracker Barrel. And it was Kelly and I, Luke and Molly, I think it was. And Luke just wasn't eating his food. Just wasn't eating his food this night. And so when I I turned to him and said, listen, son, if you're not going to eat your food, you're not going to get any popcorn at the movie. Because he says, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat my food. Okay, if you're not hungry, then you don't need popcorn. I thought that Kelly heard me tell him that. So when we're at the movies, I said, well, I'll take the kids in and we'll go and get a seat. So we're sitting down and Kelly comes in with two boxes of popcorn, two kids meals, because they were younger kids at that time. Two meals. She hands one to Molly and she hands one to Luke. And Luke does this to me. You know where this is going, don't you? He didn't say nothing. He didn't have to. I was livid. I was... If I could have thrown that popcorn as far as I could have, I think I would have done it. But it's amazing. That ruined the whole day for me. The whole movie. I was mad at Kelly, and she didn't even know I had said that. I was mad at Luke, and he had every reason for me to be mad. I was mad at Molly, and she did nothing. I was mad at the movie, because it cost me this much money to sit here and be miserable. I was mad at Cracker Barrel. Why didn't you cook some food he wanted to eat? I was mad at the world. But we've got to watch because we've got to watch our responses. It's amazing how quickly. Know the soft spots. Know the ways. Know the things of your life that would get you on edge. What are those things? Identify those things. Watch for them. Guard against them. Talk through those things. And watch you don't get upset with someone because they have feelings different to yours. The best way to avoid anger is to talk openly and often. Communicate regularly and honestly. Craig Rochelle, in his book, um, From This Day Forward, he wrote these words, and I thought, how good. Look at the statement he put. He said, work on your marriage during non-conflict times. Isn't that great? So in other words, if you're unmarried, work on it right now. Work on the marriage that you want to have by being the person you want to be in that marriage, in that relationship. Don't wait till it escalates for us to turn around and say, what do we do? Because by then you're going to be calling 911. You're going to be calling out a help cry. Gather the tools that you need. Hold on a second. Pastor said, I need to be quick to listen. What's going on? Slower to speak. And I need to slow down with my reactions, my response, and my anger. But even when doing these things, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, we're still going to have struggles. We're still going to have fights. We're still going to have conflicts. 
And we better get it right because if we don't get it right, we're not mirroring the right way for our children to handle it with their spouses. Because what they see in us is what they're going to feel is the right way to respond. You can get upset with your kids all you want, but I'm telling you, eight times out of ten, your kids are responding just as you do. So watch yourself before you judge other people. Because if we're doing it in a healthy way, we're looking at how can we both win? How can we be part of a winning team? We want to see resolution. We want to see restoration. And in order to see restoration and reconciliation, we've got to see it from the process of both of us. I cannot just be saying, well, I'm okay about it. I've got to make sure Kelly's okay about it too. And unfortunately, guys, it's not quite as easy as us being okay about it because we can oftentimes just say, I'm okay about it. Girls need to talk a little bit about it. And when I mean a little bit, I'm really downplaying that because a little bit can be a whole lot of a bit. But if it's important to them, it needs to be a priority to you. Don't get upset. Slow down and look for ways. So I want to give you really just quickly some further helps or rules for fighting. What did you learn in church today? Rules for fighting. Wow, what kind of church is that? We're going to teach you how to fight fair. And again, whether you're married, you need to know this. Unmarried, you need to know this too. Because again, it's better to know before the conflict than when it may be too late. You've got to know the rules before the game starts. If not, you'll make up your own. Have you ever been there? You make up your own rules. In our house, we almost had to stop having family game night. We're just being honest to you right now. Family game night just gets out of control because we've got such competitive kids. And I'm competitive too. I'll be honest with you. I don't like to lose, but I'm not a sorry loser. But uh, uh, we've got such competition in the house. So it got to be the fact that we had to lay down the rules before because people were changing rules and people get, don't look at me crazy. We know your house is exactly the same. But again, here's the rules for healthy fighting. I want to give you seven rules for healthy fighting that I believe are going to help you so much. Rule number one, never call names. Don't call names. If you call your spouse a name all the time, then when you're in a conflict, that's okay. But don't bring out the surname when there's a conflict. Philip Pimlot, what are you doing? Watch for the names that you will call in a conflict. And, and I know this sounds so childish and silly, but we are childish and silly many times. And we call each other names and say things, remember that we cannot take back. Sticks and stones can be healed from the broken bones, but the words can inflict such great harm. So watch that you don't call names. Point number two, never compare. Never compare. What do I mean by that? You are just like your mother. Oh my goodness. Do not go there unless it's an absolute compliment. In a fight, in a conflict, if you're bringing the mother into it, it's not normally to emphasize a positive point. It's usually to emphasize the fact that your mother is crazy. Don't look at me crazy. 
You try saying you're just like your mother and just see how that goes. Just, just send me an email back and I can tell you what it's going to say right now. Pastor, you were right. And here's another one. You've got to watch for this in the society where you're just like my ex-husband. Yeah, you are just like the ex-husband because he'll be your ex-husband too if you're going to keep talking. I've had so many people in my office trying to counsel with them and say they're just like Johnny or they're just like Susie. They're just like my ex. Well, of course they are. They're a man. They're a woman. That's how we handle. It doesn't mean we're the same person. It just means that's the way men and women handle things. Don't compare. If only I had this person, then I know I would be happy if I would have married them. I know it sounds so foolish, but have you listened to yourself in a conflict? These are rules for fighting. Take these out. You listen to this one, number three. This is a tough one. Never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. Nothing good comes from that. I know Kelly and I, uh, we've had conflicts. We've had struggles like everyone else. It's usually because I'm right and she's always wrong. But anyway, only playing because we've both got to win or we both lose. Remember. But we've had conflicts, we've had disagreements, we've had frustrations, and we've had moments where my wife has said to me, stop shouting at me. And I'll say to her, I'm not shouting. And it's not because I've really raised my voice. It's because of the aggression and the tones and the way I'm saying things are different. And to her, it's shouting. I remember once she said to me, don't shout. And I wasn't shouting. And I was so frustrated. And I said this. And I'm not proud of this. I said, if you want me to shout, then I will shout. I was so frustrated at that moment. But the reason why, you see, is it's the tones. It's, it's just what you realize. Watch what happens. Because when you usually will shout to the other person two things will happen. The person will either go on the defense or they'll go on the offense. The defense is they'll shut down. Kelly will just go on the defense. You'll just shut down. What's wrong? Nothing. You're not funny. (laughs) Nothing. She'll go on the defense, and I'm glad that she's not on the offense because I'm glad she doesn't go nose to nose with me and scream and holler and shout. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Kelly can't shout. Let me just say this. I think explosive things can come in small packages. Amen. (laughs) Moving on quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But we've got to be very careful in the tones and the way that we respond to people. In other words, let me say it this way. Calm down before you speak. If you know that you're going to act in the wrong way, just calm down. Just take a time out. Call it on yourself. Don't allow it to be called on you. Call it out. Time out. I, I just need to walk away. And walk away and calm down. But please do this. Please don't walk away and stay away. Come back and talk it through when you can. In a calm and a compassionate, healing, fair way. So never raise your voice. Number four, never get historical. Notice the spelling. I didn't spell that wrong. I didn't say get hysterical with a Y. I said don't get historical because what can happen many times is when we get in conflict, we start bringing back, and oh, by the way, last week too, and the week before, and the last time you did exactly the same thing. We can get so historical many times, and what that proves is this, we're not resolving conflict in the right way. 
Because if we've resolved it in the right way, we've dealt with that so we didn't have to bring up what happens three months ago. And again, it's the difference between a man and a woman. A man can close it off and put it away and think it's dealt with where a woman can put it on a shelf. And she's like a volcano. And one thing can cause everything to fall off the shelf and begin to erupt and explode. Why? Because it hasn't been handled to her satisfaction and to her way. So watching relationships, watching the fights that you don't get historical because the past is going to affect your present, which is going to destroy your future. So watch you deal with the past. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this in the New Living Translation, the last part of that verse, it says, love keeps no records of wrongs. Don't have a scoreboard in your house. Don't have a scoreboard that looks like this and here's P on the top and Kelly on the top and we're keeping tabs. Okay, she uh, she did that to me, so I'm going to do that to her. Don't be so childish. Please. That's the one you said forever. I love, I love and cherish and I value above anything else. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting with each other to accomplish great things. Number five, never use words like never and always. Never use words like never and always. You never do that. You always do that. I'm here to tell you exaggeration is not going to help you. Stick to the truth. Look for the right way to say it. Maybe you need to say it like this. I feel that a lot of the time... You disrespect me and you don't listen to what I say. Maybe say a lot of the time it makes me feel this way when you respond that. Don't say you never listen to my feelings. You always want to be against you. Establish honest communication with, without, being, um, without going extreme. Without being accusatory. Without just always lashing out. And building. I, I just think some words shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. As a child of God, I think some words should never be in our vocabulary when they speak of ourselves and other people. I think those words never and always are things that when we're in conflict shouldn't even be in our vocabulary. Be careful. Number six, never threaten divorce. Well, I'm just going to divorce you. I'm just tired of you. I'm just gonna get, we're just going to get divorced. Don't even, so to speak, put your hand to the handle of that door. Never mind opening that door. That's seeds and thoughts that you are sowing that can reap an awful harvest. Saying that I'm just going to divorce you is a manipulating tactic that you need to watch. And the Bible speaks of manipulation is as the sin of witchcraft. You're using things that are not right. Nothing good will ever come from that threat. And number seven, maybe a little bit of a joke in here, but true. Don't quote your pastor in the Bible during a fight. Leave me out of it. You got yourself into it. Get yourself out of it. If we're going to use pastor in the Bible in the right sense, then it's okay. But most of the time we're saying, the pastor said you've got to do that for me. And the Bible says, shutteth thy mouth of Don't use the Bible ever to condemn people. The Word of God and the words that we speak are never to condemn people, but they're to convict and they're to build people. And it's a big difference with that. And I think there are really seven helpful points that you can implement in your life. And I think it's really important too just to get around other couples and 
One of the greatest tools that Satan can use is isolation, to isolate you from others, to make you feel that you're the only one that has those struggles and the issues, and you're the only one that's ever faced conflict. And that's one of the things that Kelly and I have enjoyed about our Marriage for Life class once a month, the first Friday of every month. We've just enjoyed being around other couples to realize we're normal. We're normal. And please don't get me wrong, we have a great relationship, we really do. But again, even with great relationships, you have to work on keeping it great. And you have to work on doing your part because you don't just fluke your way into success. You have to earn your way into success. Here's a scripture that's used many times on relationships, and I'm just going to bring this to a close really quickly. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27, Nor give place to the devil. Something really jumped out at me when I was studying that this week. And that verse 27 is that second word right there. Nor give, 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 give. Say with me, give. Give. Notice Satan doesn't take. It's something that I've given him. That I give, you give place to the devil. Well, the devil came in and didn't know. You gave place. You spoke those words. You were quick to speak and slow to listen. You are the one that was quick to go to anger. You are the one. I am the one that gives the enemy the ammunition that he needs to bring down our life. That word, the place for the devil. Think about that. Nor give place. A place. A place to live. A place to stay. A place to come. Don't give him opportunity. Don't give him a foothold, one translation says. Another thought is this. Don't give him real estate. Don't give him a place where he can come and dwell. There's no place for the devil in my home, in my marriage, and in my life. Notice what it says there. It says, don't be angry. What? Go back. to you. Can you go back? It goes, be angry and do not sin. So what does that mean? I can be angry and not sin. Anger itself is not the sin. But it can lead to sin if I unguard it and I uncheck. And leave it unchecked and don't handle it properly. A comedian said these words, Never go to bed mad. Stay up and fight. Got some truth in that, really. There's truth in that. But we're going to fight fair. We're going to get it out in the open. We're going to talk about it because the only way that we win is when we both win. Don't give the devil the foothold or the opportunity. Listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. Separation and great unresolved conflicts don't just happen. They have been happening. The problems don't just happen. They've been happening. They may be small and they can go unguarded and unchecked. That's why you need to keep short accounts with each other. Have times, and we encourage people to do this all the time, have times where you can have a freedom of speech, where you can say freely how you're feeling, even if the other person doesn't agree with that. Get it off your chest so you can work together and move through those things. Because if not, you're given opportunity and foothold from the devil. Deal with things sooner before they arrive. Why take those things into another day? Why allow another day to be destroyed by things that we can leave? That's what the Bible's saying. Don't take into tomorrow what needs to be resolved and handled today. Because how small it may be today, it's going to be bigger tomorrow. And it's going to be bigger the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And there's two types of person in any conflict. There's the huffer and there's the silent type. 
I wonder which one you are. The huffer is the one that just <laughs> goes into the kitchen, slams every door, opens every drawer and slams it. Goes in the bed and pulls the covers <laughs> over. And then there's the silent one that just says nothing. I wonder what you are. Identify what you are. And remember that anger is not going to help you accomplish the righteous life that God has for you. So I hope this is helping you all today. I know it does. Because when you choose to live by God's word, it works every time. I don't need to begin to know all the specifics in regards to the conflicts that every couple will face. As I said earlier, most of the conflicts are pretty petty and pretty foolish. But you know what? There can be some massive issues too. Maybe today you're sitting here with a massive issue. Maybe your spouse is having an affair. Maybe there's pornography involved in the relationship. That's a massive issue. But listen to me. No matter how big, God's power of reconciliation and resolution is still available from the greatest problem to the smallest problem. And the answer is the same. Seek God first. Seek God first. So guard against criticism, guard against contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling, and listen to God. One other scripture quickly, Matthew 19, 26, with man. This is impossible. But with God. I said, but with God. All things are possible. Your home, your future, your marriage, your life. Blessing a winning team is possible with what? Not with man, but when God's involved. Because when God's in the equation, we're going to win every time. Stand to your feet all over this place, I pray. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.